Hey, welcome to the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast. Glad you found us for another season. Really hope you enjoyed the guests that we have today. Take a listen. Reach out if you want some more information. Enjoy the time. Enjoy the learn. Hopefully you get better from this. The Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast is a big fan of cookies. I'm excited to announce the podcast now has an official cookie sponsor, Texas Treaties. Texas Treaties is a Dallas-based custom cookie company that can design and decorate any shape and color combo you can think of. Not only do they look amazing, they taste great also. Texas Treaties is offering Dallas area listeners a special 10% off promo. Use the code podcast at checkout. Link to order will be in the show notes. If you are in the market for fine men's wear, i.e. suits, shirts, ties, etc., you need to check out Etiquette Dawn. I personally have several pieces from him, and every time I wear them, I feel confident, well-dressed, and I receive many compliments. Etiquette Dawn is a truly custom apparel company that will have you look, looking like a sharp-dressed man. Check out www.etiquettedawncustomapparel.com for more information. Make sure to follow them on Instagram and TikTok at Etiquette Dawn as well. All coaches have their go-to drink for waking up and getting their energy boosted. For me, that's coffee. I prefer black coffee, so that means buying high-quality beans so that I can grind and brew them at home and enjoy my cups of happiness. Viking Coffee is my go-to company for a monthly subscription of great variety of beans that produce excellent cups time after time. Podcast listeners, use the code COFFEEWITHNOONAN, all one word, for a 10% discount off. Check out www.vikingcoffeeco.com for more details and to order the official coffee of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast. Drink coffee, work hard. In this episode, I talk with two amazing strength and conditioning coaches who have a wealth of knowledge in volleyball and basketball. I talk with Missy Mitchell McBeth and Rachel Hayes. Missy is back on the podcast for the second time. She is the head strength and conditioning coordinator at Byron Nelson High School in Trophy Club, Texas. Rachel Hayes is the strength and conditioning coordinator at Denton Geyer High School in Denton, Texas. Missy spent time as an assistant, as a senior assistant strength conditioning coach at TCU and a volleyball coach at Coppers Cove High School. Rachel has been an intern at Oklahoma State in Alabama, a personal trainer, and an assistant sports performance coach at Stanford. These two ladies and I dive into the nuts and bolts of strength training, particularly for the sports of volleyball and basketball. Enjoy today's episode and feel free to reach out to either of them to learn more. You can find Missy on Twitter at Miss Capital E Mitchell 11 as the two L's and on Instagram at Miss underscore E underscore Mitch Beth and her website www.safeirontraining.com. You can also find Rachel on Twitter at RachelKH2 or send her an email, rhays2 at dentonisd.org. All of this will be linked in the show notes. Enjoy today's episode. On today's episode of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast, I'm joined by two amazing people. We're going to dive into volleyball and basketball, some strength conditioning. Uh, I'm joined by head strength and conditioning coach at Byron Nelson High School and founder of Safe Iron, Missy Mitchell McBeth, and 
strength and wellness coordinator at Denton Geyer, Rachel Hayes. Ladies, good afternoon. Thanks for hopping on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, appreciate it, Peter. It should be a great chat. Looking forward to it. So I want to do like a quick kind of gloss over, you know, in terms of who you are. Uh, we'll start with you, Rachel. You know, just kind of let's talk about you know, where you're at, how long you've been there, a little bit about your journey, and then, you know, what your experience is with volleyball and basketball. That's a lot. Um, so where to start? Um, I guess at the beginning, um, I got into strength conditioning uh, while I was in graduate school at Oklahoma State. Um, so did a, a, about a year and a half internship there. Um, and then uh, worked for a physical therapist for a bit. Um, and then took another internship at the University of Alabama um, uh, and then, um, took a full-time job at Stanford, uh, for a year, um, moved to Texas, um, went through, um, University of Texas post-bac program so I could get uh, certified to teach, um, cause I knew I wanted to be in the high school setting, um, worked out really well. Um, I graduated and then Denton ISD opened up, um, for strength conditioning coordinator positions at each high school. So I started in 2015 at Denton Geyer. Um, so I'll be starting my seventh year um, at Denton Geyer this coming August. Awesome. And Missy, I know we've had you on before, but it's been a while. So why don't you give the people a quick rundown of, of you, your experiences and all the good stuff. This was not in the pre-show questions that you sent us, so I don't have a good answer. Sure you do. For some reason, I find this the most difficult thing to talk about is like background and all that. Um, yeah, this is going to be my sixth year at Byron Nelson High School. I work with all of our athletes there. Um, I think we're most well-known for volleyball. Um, like Rachel's team, we're a very successful volleyball program. Um, prior to that, I was at TCU for seven years as a senior assistant strength coach. I worked with women's basketball, women's indoor volleyball, and women's golf. Um, and before that, I was a high school volleyball coach at Coppers Cove High School. I coached volleyball, powerlifting, and track. And so that's kind of my background in volleyball. I've coached it. I'm a strength coach for it at multiple levels. I also currently still play uh, weekend warrior status out on the beach volleyball court, and I played college volleyball. And pretty still, and still very good at at the weekend warrior status. Yeah, maybe more of the weekend part, and not so much of the warrior part. I think that happens to the best of us, though. So let's let's talk volleyball first, because that's going to be the first sport to to kick off the 2021-2022 school year. <clears throat> Coming off this past school year, your kids have undergone the COVID season. Now they're going through their summer workouts. They're still playing club ball, most of them. How are you approaching this year uh, in regards to programming for the volleyball team and their specific needs when they come see you in the weight room? I'll start with uh, Rachel. Um, I'm going to kind of answer towards more towards basketball just because that's kind of what I prepared for. Um, it's, um, I'm seeing kind of a little bit of a, you know, definitely feeling like that, that whole chunk of off season that we missed, um, being gone from March till, you know, last, um, last August when we got to start. So there's a class there where they're kind of missing a developmental piece. Um, but we had a, a coaching change. I'm sorry, that's with volleyball with basketball. Um, we're just trying to pick up the pieces, um, <laughs> and have an actual, 
as much of an off season as we can um, with clubs still going on um, really through the summer. Our basketball is um, like, I won't see them the month of July. They're um, completely consumed with club. Um, I'm really fortunate that we have coaches that, um, you know, their, their priority is the kids health. So they want, they want them to stay healthy. Um, they kind of lay off a little bit. Um, so I appreciate that. Um, really, we're just trying to, um, you know, minimize um, as, as much wear and tear as we can throughout this period. Um, once we get back to school in August, um, we'll we kind of hit the ground running a little more. Um, and I'll kind of talk about boys and girls because I have both, um, as far as offseason um, needs go. I know the like our boys squad is um, pretty talented, but pretty small and young. So there's going to be a big focus on size, which is kind of comical because, you know, you ask him what did you eat today and missing I had this conversation and it's like well I didn't eat breakfast I just had a pop tart and you know some Gatorade at 1 p.m I've, I've been to skills and I've been to you know a lift so sizes are focus um, for the boys but definitely got to get that nutrition piece um, cued in I'm, I'm looking forward to the podcast I think that y'all are going to do later on tonight about nutrition um, with the girls it's really it's always a, a big strength focus um, just for them I find uh, maintaining strength, getting strong, staying strong throughout the season is not only a performance performance enhancer, but just keeping us healthy, uh, making that season last as long as it can. Um, so those are our two main um, focuses going into off season. Um, summertime is just really trying to, uh, you know, patch up where we can um, with their heavy club with their heavy club schedule. Yeah, Missy, I'll let you then. Uh pick up with volleyball. So kind of echoing some of the things Rachel said, um, we get kind of low compliance with summer attendance um, simply because like right now, every human being that I know is at club nationals. So they've been in high gear preparing for those national tournaments that they've spent all season qualifying for. And so that's their focus. A lot of their club participation involves mandatory strength and conditioning workouts. Um, which is a rabbit hole that we can go down of. Um, I know Rachel's written about this in articles. I've written about it in articles where it's um, truly terrible strength and conditioning, but they're subjected to it. They're forced into it. So anything that we're adding um, into the mix a lot of times is just more. And it doesn't matter if what we're doing is better. It's just simply more stacked on top of their already um, overflowing plates. So when we get back, a lot of what I need to do is um, just eye test. Where are they at? Um, what are they deficient in? Um, and some of that comes down to just like, we don't have a specific testing protocol. I'm not going to like one rep max or three rep max them coming back because again, I'm not really sure where they're at. So it really just boils down to coach's eye. Um, it does come down to kind of a minimum effective dose situation because I don't want to overload them too much on top of their already stacked practice schedule. And then with volleyball in Texas, you've got two or three days and you hit your first scrimmage and then it's just rolling from there you know, four to six matches a week. Um, so it's really kind of, you know, what Rachel alluded to, playing catch up a little bit, trying to maintain strength, trying to gain a little bit of strength while not interfering with what they're doing on the court, um, because obviously that's the number one priority. And it doesn't matter if what we're doing in the weight room is great, if it causes them to be overloaded and miss games because of it, um, we haven't done our job. So really just to summarize that, assess, see where they're at and go from there. 
Yeah, no, I, I think that's really beneficial. <clears throat> so, Lynn, let's fast forward in season now. Um, and the way we'll answer each question is, well, I'll just throw it out more in general. And then, Missy, you can respond from a volleyball standpoint. Rachel, you'll respond from a basketball standpoint. Overlap is overlap, and that's all good. Because um, a lot of this stuff, I'm sure they can't hear enough of. So we're in season now. Um, we're kind of past the scrimmage point, and we're we're in the front end with tournament play, and then progress into district play in preparation for playoffs. In, in terms of that that go. So right now, let's say again, post scrimmage tournament area. What's your preferred amount of time to come train with you in the weight room and then how do you gauge that time in order to be beneficial uh as they prepare for tournament season of, of the calendar so we'll start with volleyball and missy so I'm actually going to work backwards. I'm going to talk about what we do in district play and then use that to reference how our tournament season looks. And this is no different in what I do with baseball, softball, um, basketball. Everybody kind of follows the same schedule in high school athletics. And so I kind of cut their programs very similarly based on the demands. Um, normally we lift Monday and Wednesday. Some teams will lift Wednesdays and Saturdays, but on the whole, my in-season programs are lifting Mondays and Wednesdays. So with a Tuesday game, that Monday lift is going to be one day out from a game. Um, I know kids recover quick and all that kind of stuff, but we also have to understand we have a very low training age of athlete. Um, and so I'm going to err on the side of caution on that. Our Monday lift is going to be, um, less of a traditional lift. We're going to have very low volume. Um, we'll take the less intense type of movement. So for example, instead of doing a barbell front squat, we're going to goblet squat on that day. We're still squatting. We're just not doing as intensive a, of a movement. So Wednesday will be, we're going to hang clean. We're going to front squat. We're going to do our bigger, more structural lifts um, at a little bit higher intensity on our Wednesday lift because we've got typically two days prior to our Friday game. In tournament season, our Monday and Wednesday lifts look very similar to one another. Um, where I'm going to modify, potentially go into a regression of a movement like a goblet squat versus a front squat. Um, I also may do some stuff where we just ask them because you also have kids that like some kids are playing a ton and some kids are playing not at all. So they're there. If it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday tournament, they're not practicing on Thursday and Wednesday's practice is really light. So those kids actually have more of a strength need than your starters do. So I'm asking them like, listen, if you're if you're feeling eight out of 10 today, here's your sets and reps, here's your load. If you're feeling somewhere between a four and a seven, this is what I want you to do. If you feel like garbage and you're a zero to four, here's what your modification is. So it also gives them, it's, it's need-based, but it also gives them a little bit of ownership in the program. Um, and I know the red flag that that's gonna raise with most coaches is like, oh, well, what do you do with kids that you know don't self-report correctly? Um, number one, most kids are going to make the right decision. You're always going to have that turd kid that's not going to do it, but that kid is going to dog the workout whether or not you give them a different prescription based on their RPE level to, uh, to begin with. Um, so that's kind of how we handle that tournament season. Um, there are times, like for example, I think our team went to Hawaii last year. They flew out, on a, flew out on a Wednesday. We did not lift on that Wednesday, so we got one lift in that week. Um, so there are certainly times where we are only getting one lift a week, but that's the exception rather than the rule. 
Rachel, how are you addressing basketball? Um, a lot of the same things that like Missy's alluding to. Um, off season, and then like again, I'm gonna address boys and girls. Off season, uh, boys are lifting three times a week, girls lift twice a week, all year round. Um, once that tournaments tournament season begins, um, or you know, in our case, we even have like a short fall like preseason type schedule where they scrimmage. They might go to Louisville. Um, during that like two to three week period, um, I'm trying to I'm trying to maintain what we've built from August until October or August until November, whatever the case may be. So I'm trying to keep the lifts as similar as possible. Um, for the girls, we're keeping it twice a week the same. Um, I'll do a lot of things um, like um, minimize the eccentric component. Um, we may modify the range of motion. So instead of you know a full RDL, we may pull from the blocks, we may pull from the rack. Um, but I'm allowed to go heavier in that in that situation. So we're still getting a lot of of strength work in. We're just kind of minimizing that um, that carryover um, that that takes a lot of um, energy to recover from. Um, I may also decrease the frequency. You know, um, we may have a situation where it's just like it's a lot, especially during tournament season, where I'm just like, hey, um, I'm okay if we if we don't lift this day. I'd rather them sleep in, or I'd rather you know, them come in later and we're going to, you know, maybe do some feel good stuff, get some bands out, stretch, foam roll, um, put their legs up, that type of thing. Um, like Missy said, it's becoming a situation too, where you have, you have kids that are just, they're playing heavy, heavy minutes. And so it becomes like, they almost may have, um, they may have a separate lift entirely. Like I may have to, um, adjust and, you know, got these guys doing this, got these two or three kids that are just doing a modified lift. Um, and usually those, you know, those kids are pretty honest. They'll, they'll be upfront with you. Um, you have a conversation with them. I think, um, you know, like Missy said, the coach, your, your coach may, may bark at you a little bit, but, um, you know, if you build a good relationship with kids and, um, they learn to trust you and you, you reciprocate that trust, you, you, you hear them, um, they're more likely to, to be honest with you. And I think give you that work, they'll give you, give you that effort back. Have either of you ever had to kind of go back and consult the box score the, or the stat sheet or the book and just to kind of gauge what the production actually was compared to what they told you? So collegiate level, um, that was just something I did. I pulled the box score after the game and I said, this is how many minutes. And we just had a rule that, and I can't remember where our line was drawn. I want to say if it was under 12 minutes, those kids were doing extra conditioning. Um, and so I just, and I was also at every one of those games. So like I knew at the high school level, I rely a lot and our coaching staff, like they know that I'm open to that dialogue of, you know, who's tired and what do we need and what do we need to prep for the game? And they know that like, I want to win just as much as they do. And so they're pretty good about coming in and being like, Hey, these five kids right here. And they point them out they're smoked. And so we will, in some cases, um, it depends on the team. Some teams I'm going to have that open conversation, zero through four, you're five through seven. Some teams where we know that we might not get as much compliance we might just pull those five kids aside and be like, listen, this is what everybody else is doing here's what you're doing. You're going to do these percentages, this number of reps and kind of be quiet about it kind of deal. Um, so it just depends on the team and the culture and the situation, but absolutely like we will um, pull stats on that kind of stuff if we need to. Rachel, are you kind of in the same boat or you had experience with that? 
Yeah. Um, I, I rely a lot on our coaching um, input. Um, our coaches buy into the weight room. Um, we have, you know, conversations. I have conversations about the lifts, um, you know, what, what we're trying to get out of it, what we're trying to do with it, depending on the time of year. Like Missy said, it depends on the kid, depends on the culture, depends on the team. Um, and that changes from year to year. Um, you know, you, you may have a system that works really well for two to four years, and then you've just got to completely adjust as kids come through and things change and shift. Um, but yeah, um, we may, you know, alter a lift altogether. I may put a kid on the pit shark. Um, I may give the whole entire team, you know, just depending on the involvement, I may give the entire team a range of percentages to work through. Like, Hey, you know, it says 80 today, but like, say, you know, in your warm up set, you're getting 60, 65 and you're feeling like it's heavy and you're slow. You may need to cap it off at a lower percentage. So giving him a range, giving a range of reps and sets, um, and just trusting it, um, trusting that they're going to, um, you know, give back, um, what they can just depending on how they're feeling. But again, it starts with, with a lot of dialogue and a lot of relationship building and, um, but yeah. Yeah. Speaking of relationship building, we're all, uh, outfitted in our weight rooms by power lifts. So Sean, when you listen to this, I think we need to have a conversation about sponsorship, but anyway, <laughs> I just thought about that as you were talking about the pit shark. And then I was like, okay, well, I know DG is getting upgraded. Me and Missy both just got ours done over the last year. So yeah, we need to talk about that relationship, but I love, I'm not to knock power I love power I appreciate what they, what they do. And uh, I think they, they do a good job of, of being open and honest about the stuff. And um, you know, for me, when we when I came to Hendrickson last year, that stuff was already bought. So I've been able to talk about things to add to our weight room um, and such. You know, I know Missy, you were you were be you were there to be able to talk about what needs to be done. Um, you know, it, it was, that's your baby, Rachel. I don't know how much uh, you got to get in terms of what you wanted, what you didn't want in the weight room, and the compromises that you might've had to make. Um, so let's talk about just kind of outfitting the weight room for multi-sport um, usage, right? We're, we're not blessed to just have a football only or basketball only or baseball only facility, like at the collegiate level, right? In the high school level, we have to service all of our kids. So what are some things in your weight room that you've really seen a great benefit from that you may not have realized was that that great benefit or something that you knew all along was going to be a great benefit and it's proved proven true i'll let uh, rachel go first on this one um well on that note um i do have to like i do have to give a shout out to denton isd because um coach keese and i are both think uh, very very blessed and thankful to have our own our own weight room. So, um, you know, coach keys got the design his to outfit football primarily, um, and accommodate baseball, bigger teams that are, um, that are out his way. Um, and then mine, um, is, uh, built for all the Olympic sports. Um, so I have to give a shout out to Denton ISD for that as well as powerlift. Um, and, um, I, I definitely, um, got to have all the say I wanted in it. Um, as far as, you know, the brand, uh, the quantity, the flooring, all the things. So um, we're, we're, we're very blessed. Um, 
as far as things go, um, primarily for me, having floor space, um, that real estate is huge. Um, you can never have too much, um, especially because um, oftentimes I'm accommodating or training, um, need to train multiple teams. Um, I may need to train um, one entire program, which involves like right now, I just came from a women's basketball lift where I have, you know, 20 freshmen that may include some seventh and eighth graders that are coming through. And then I've got, you know, um, my varsity and sub varsity kids. So having that floor space for the freshmen um, is huge for me. Um, we got to add in a turf section. So that's, that's really where I keep, you know, my block zero or my developmental group. Um, and I knew that that would be crucial and it has, it has paid off. Um, they're able to move around um, and have space around one another so I can conduct, you know, two separate lifts at the same time. Um, it's also been beneficial just for, you know, barefoot training, jumping, things like that. Um, another thing that we were able to add in Powerlift Customized for us is on the back of our half racks, we have um, adjustable cable columns. Um, so the cable columns have been super versatile and um, primarily a lot of back work, like rowing, pulling, single arm rowing, single arm pulling, um, just from different angles and variations. Um, you know, in a, in a, in our old weight room, um, we were blessed again with, with great equipment, but, um, it was, you know, TRX face pulls, band face pulls, dumbbell chest, we were, we were limited in a lot of ways and the ways that we could row. Um, and I'm a huge, um, posterior chain person. So, um, that has been just like awesome. We've got, you know, different attachments. Um, and so just this helping, you know, blast the kids back from different angles and, um, different ways has been huge. Um, I'm a dumbbell nerd, um, or me, that's one, one thing that I'm, you know, was, was hesitant to part with, uh, are my dumbbells. Um, maybe it's, you know, one of my, um, meathead things i don't know um we were able to increase the amount of dumbbells we have um, i love using dumbbells especially for my developmental kids um squats and rdls and um things like that getting them um working on coordination holding holding you know um, a dumbbell on one side doing unilateral training so i would say um right off the top of my head those those three things the floor space the dumbbells the cable columns have been um really versatile and um beneficial what about your playpen, Missy? Um, I'm hearing open floor space and I'm becoming very triggered um, because as most people are aware, um, we do not have much. So we moved from a 2000 square foot weight room with 20 racks into a 3000 square foot rack with or weight room with 20 racks. And then we moved our second facility um, exact same footprint. Um, so with that in mind, I do not have, like I said, I don't have a lot of open floor space. We had to have number of bars moving for larger teams over in the field house in our main building. That's what I'm going to talk about mostly. Um, when I designed that field house, I was basically making a smaller copy of that inside. When I saw the field house, I loved it for that space, but I knew I was not going to like it for the inside space. I wanted to give it a different look, different feel, and have a more open, um, an open room because it is going to be most of your Olympic sports. Um, and so a lot of our focus is going to be more on a developmental athlete, um, also on just more movement-based stuff. So went to Sean with powerlift and I was like, hey, what can we do? And he showed me um, rig racks that are up against the wall. Um, and so we, in my opinion, we have the best small weight room in the country. 
Um, we did absolutely the most and the least amount of space that you can imagine. And some of the things we did with that, number one, the racks are pushed up against the wall. Um, and so that gave us a big open kind of horseshoe area that we're able to use for movement stuff for our warmups. Um, so even though we don't have a ton of space, we have the illusion of having more space. The other thing with those racks is we absolutely did every single thing that an athlete would need shy of a few pieces of equipment, like our trap bars are over in different places and we've got kettlebell stations elsewhere, but everything's on that rack. So we don't create traffic flow issues of having to run across the room and get a band and then come back. Um, so that was huge for us. Rachel's talking about her dumbbells. Um, I did traditional dumbbells in my field house. Um, and if I would have ever used a power block in my career, I probably would have done uh, power blocks there simply because of the spacing. They run down the center of my room. So if we've got the landmines out and going, like I always joke, I'm like, I'm stuck. Like I can't get out. I, as a coach, can't move around because I'm like hurdling bars and stuff. Um, so I would have put power blocks on individual racks, which is what I did over in the second weight room. So I think power blocks, if you are on a, if you're balling on a space budget, I think power blocks are awesome for that. Um, for those listening that don't have a clue what I'm talking about, it's basically a dumbbell that I can adjust from five to 95 pounds um, with just the click of a like urethane selector piece. Um, so those are kind of just things that have made our space more efficient. Probably my favorite thing that I didn't have in my weight room before that Sean, um, when, this is good weight room building advice. When you're um, putting together your quote, you always need to put like everything you could ever dream of wanting. And that way, when they come in and they say, yeah, that's too much, then you have your list of things that you're going to cut. And so one of the things that was top on my list um, that I was going to cut is uh, rotating utility pads. I was like, that's fine. We'll just have kids hold each, other feet, each other's feet for Nordics, or we can have our foot on a bench for rear foot elevated. Um, turns out I got everything I asked for in my quote, so I should actually put way more in. Um, but I, uh, yeah, those rotating utility pads are fantastic. I personally have always had problems with my rear foot elevated squat, but I have this like weird, I don't have knee issues, but I have a weird knee issue that crops up during an RFE squat. Goes away with that rotating utility pad just because it makes it a much cleaner movement. It also, instead of somebody having to spot each other on a Nordic cam, it allows us to have one more thing going in the weight room. Um, and then the power lift racks are designed where you can adjust um, the holes in the side or drilled at like one inch increments. So you can adjust for a range of heights like we see at the at the high school level. Um, so I've been, I really didn't consider other equipment other than power lift. I have one of the racks that I bought um, in our garage that was eight years old and still in pristine condition. It's just a super high quality product um, that's going to stand the test of time. And I don't think you can, um, don't think you can overlook that um, from a budget standpoint at the high school level. So there you go, Sean and Powerlift. There's your plug. Now come sponsor uh, the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast. Uh, let's talk about just specific movements in general. Uh, you know, with volleyball, there is some overhead. I don't know, you know, to me in basketball, in terms of just the demand of the sport, um, there's a little, obviously a little bit more overhead work from your shot, rebounding and such, you know, volleyball outside of the serve, you know, most everything is underhand. Uh, and please correct me if I'm wrong and, and sound like an idiot. You know, I don't have, I have thick skin, so that doesn't bother me. But how do you gauge the movements that you select 
on an on, on a typical week of, of of training or in a typical in season to off season progression. Because um, once we're in season, right, we're not really adding anything new. We're still trying to improve and, and get stronger and, and continue to make gains, whether it's moving a lighter weight faster, moving a heavier weight, becoming lighter in terms of uh, perception, um, or just, you know, going up a, a half pound or 10 pounds on, you know, maybe just using the power blocks and you, you put the selector a little bit heavier or whatever. So, you know, how do you gauge the movements to do versus what not to do? Um, more from the in-season standpoint. We'll go with uh, volleyball and Missy first. So um, Rachel already kind of talked about something I'm going to say. I'm not necessarily going to exclude certain movements because if we've been doing them all year, um, that's not going to make kids sore. Um, For any coaches that are listening, any sport coaches, What's making your kids sore in season is not the weight room. It is your three-hour practice that's played at a medium intensity um, and overly long duration. So if that's if your kids are like, I'm getting sore from the 20-minute, like we're in the weight room, like two 25-minute sections like a week once you account for our warm-up and any other fluff stuff that's going on. Um, it's not the weight room that's getting them sore. So providing that we're not just like, randomly throwing in an RDL after not having done an RDL for two months, that's not going to make your kids sore. However, I'm going to pay attention to placement of those movements. So things with, as uh, Coach Hayes alluded to, or didn't allude to said earlier, things with a heavy eccentric component or an eccentric emphasis are going to create more stress on the body. They're going to create more of a, a propensity to get sore. And so I'm going to pay attention to where those go in my lifting program. So we're probably not going to be doing those things the day before a game. Um, We're also not going to be doing like an overloaded eccentric or something with a slow tempo eccentric that we're really emphasizing that component. Um, However, we may still be including things like RDL, like rear foot elevated split squats in our programs, like on a Wednesday lift, for example, where we've been doing them all year. So it's not necessarily going to make them sore. You're, you kind of touched on the topic of overhead lifting with uh, volleyball players, and that's something that you and I have, have talked about, like in Twitter DMs and stuff. Um, so I'll kind of, that's not really an in-season conversation necessarily, but an overall conversation. So I'll kind of tell you where I stand on that with volleyball athletes. A volleyball serve and a volleyball arm swing is actually a traction force. Um, and overhead lift is a compressive force. So when people try to talk about that is that volleyball players are overhead athletes. Therefore, we need overhead lifts because it's sport specific. It's actually not because it's two different types of force. Um, do I believe that overhead lifting is, is inherently um, something that's going to cause an injury? No, but I know that a lot of volleyball athletes do not have the thoracic extension and correct scapular uh, rhythm to get a good overhead position. So for me, the risk reward on it is not worth putting it in our program. What we do to address that, our main pressing movements, we're gonna use push-up variants and we're gonna use landmine presses. And that's gonna go across the board in season and out of season. So I kind of got a little off topic there, but that's kind of where I'm at on that. I think that's great. Um, and it's exactly the things that we've talked about because I've, I've brought questions up to you and I've shown you some things that have been sent my way from other places. and. You know, you scratch your head and you go, why Why would you do that or why should you do that versus not? 
so Rachel, I'm going to kick it over to you uh, and feel free to kind of address that, that whole overhead thing or any movements in general uh, in regards to basketball. Um, yeah, there's, there's some similar tie-ins uh, with my basketball kids, you know, with basketball not being um, as reliant on, you know, unilateral shoulder power, um, you know, it's, you, I don't want to say you can get away with, but I don't typically have as many issues as I do with um, volleyball trying to go overhead. Um, dumbbell snatch might be the only thing with volleyball that we're doing, but like, you know, we're not trying to like incline bench or um, push press or push any of that kind of stuff. Um, with basketball, um, it typically depends on the year. Um, I get um, I get some kids, uh, some groups that can tolerate a push press or a push jerk. Um, it also depends on um, their progression. So, you know, for instance, with my boys, I may have a couple of guys that come in um, and start on varsity and they're in a varsity lift. Well, they've missed, um, you know, they've missed some developmental stuff. They've missed um, some half kneeling single arm presses. They've missed some half kneeling landmine presses. They've missed, um, you know, patterning for a Z press. So I've got to kind of like scale back on that. Um, but I find that primarily with my basketball kids, if I progress them um, through enough patterns, they tolerate overhead pressing, jerking and so forth. Um, but again, it can just depend on the kid. Um, it also depends on, for me, um, their buy-in. Um, with my girls, they really get into hang clean. And I know I'm kind of like, you know, getting off topic here, but the boys, um, I typically have more intent and more input with a push jerk or a, a push press. So um, I typically will um, align certain lifts with what, with, with what I'm getting back from them. So um, I'm not, you know, I'm not giving them, you know, full autonomy over the, over the lifts or, or over what's happening, but I am giving them, I am, I am basing their lift off feedback that I see and feedback that I get from them. If they really enjoy a certain lift, I'm probably going to use it more just because they like it. They're buying into it. And so, um, I mean, we all have our, we all have our lifts that we like to do. Um, and so I don't, I don't see any issue in giving, um, giving the kids that option as well. Um, so hopefully that kind of, you know, hits on, um, hits on some overhead stuff. We do, um, we do do a lot of Z press, the boys especially will do a lot of Z press. Um, Alan Bishop talks a lot about that, shows a lot about that. Um, and, uh, I think the novelty of that exercise in particular kind of they're like, they see that and they're like, oh, that's, you know, that's interesting. It's sitting down and they really, they really want to try to, um, they want to try to do it. They want to do it well. So um, I will find, I will say with boys though, their hamstrings can be really, really tight and you can't just start out with a, a straight leg Z press. You've got to, you may have to have them bend or give them a little bit of a, a modification because um, that's, that can be pretty intense. Yeah. I love the point about not necessarily excluding lifts, but the fact that, you know, we're always talking about that relationship building. The kids realize why, I, as they stick with you throughout the years, freshmen probably don't pick it up until later, but your older kids, they, they realize why you put certain lifts in, uh, whether it's because that's how you feel about certain things or like what you just talked about Rachel in that it's what they're pushing themselves to do best at so why would we take that away you know we're always seeking more of the buy-in you know Missy you alluded to it earlier you not alluded but you flat out said 
the kid that dogs the workout in the weight room is going to dog it, period, whether it's a good day or a bad day. But that's the outlier, right? So what are we going to do to give the 80, 85, 90% that is buying in? How do we continue to increase their buy-in? Will we give them something that they want um, in terms of, of a movement that they're they're doing well at? You know, um, I, for me, I'll sprinkle in some jumping stuff uh, in a variety of ways because I think it's a great change up from, you know, for at least from the football standpoint of just your bigger kids are not, they, they hate, our, my, my linemen are not big box jumpers, but we can still incorporate some kind of explosive movement to where they're not constantly having to try and catch a clean. Um, you know, it's still important to, to create that patterning. Um, but, you know, they, they can still work on an explosive enough. They, I think everybody wants to have that desire to jump up high and touch something. And some of us are realizing that it's never going to happen, but it doesn't mean we stop. We don't keep training for it. Um, you know, you, I, what is it? You, <clears throat> if you chase success and fall short, you're still probably well ahead of everybody else who just chase being average. So, you know, we're going to push outside the bounds on that. Um, when it comes to your multi-sport kids, um, and I'm not sure how much you guys have at your schools that go from, let's say, volleyball into basketball, whether it's, uh, well, for volleyball into basketball on the girl side or football into basketball on the guy's side, because um, I know both y'all work with, with those programs, how do you keep them engaged after coming from one sport to the next because some may do volleyball because they like it but they love basketball or some may do football because they love it but they like basketball and they just like being with their buddies kind of thing so how do we how do you gauge that transition and how do you accommodate those kids once they step into that next sport Rachel I'll let you go first on that um, well, to be perfectly honest, um, that doesn't happen a lot. Um, we don't have a ton of multi-sport kids, uh, because, you know, as you guys know, like the, the specialized scene is like, it's just, it's just taken over. Um, I, if we do have that situation, you know, it's usually a kid that will go from soccer to track, um, or basketball to track. So track is kind of at least a positive, you know, um, alternative sport for these kids. Um, a lot of times, you know, the kids are excited to take kind of a break, whether it's mentally or physically from their primary sport. And so for us, it's, it's typically it's tracked where the, where the, where they will go. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm all about like trying to help encourage these kids to, to enjoy what they're doing, to really um, enjoy the time away from their primary sport. Um, and so, you know, um, just encouraging them to have fun, um, you know, keeping the lifts, um, you know, sometimes, um, the lifts will be different. Um, you know, the same terminologies there, they've been coached by me, um, whatever weight room we're in or whatever sport it is, they've been coached by me since they were middle school. So the terminologies there, the lifts can be the same, but a lot of times, um, you know, if we don't deadlift in volleyball and I've got a kid that goes from volleyball to track, we deadlift and track. So it's, it can be kind of fun to, to like realize, Hey, Oh, you know, they do different lifts, 
you know, and, and they, they, they buy into that. They, they enjoy a change of pace in that respect. Um, and just being around different, you know, different friends and different people. So, um, I really encourage it from, um, multitude of standpoints. Um, but you know, that's just one way is I, you know, really just try to encourage them to have fun, um, and, you know, learn something new if it's in the weight room. Missy, what do you got? Well, unfortunately, our listeners couldn't see me like cracking up laughing when this question came out and when Rachel gave the initial part of her answer. But I was going to ask, like, what is a multi-sport athlete? Um, I don't <laughs> know. So, yeah, at the 6A level, um, a lot of times we're not getting multi-sport kids. And so you're this is kind of null and void. And typically what we see is that kids are going to pick if they are a multi-sport athlete as a freshman, they tend to pick by their sophomore year um, simply because the skill demands, and this is kind of getting into sports specialization is kind of a big topic um, that I have a wealth of thoughts on. But um, yeah, they typically can't hack it with the demands of the two, you know, the two skills because they're skilled sports. Um, I think things that kind of lend themselves to their overall comfort, making that transition, because basically they're going from an environment that for many athletes, they're not comfortable in the weight room. They're comfortable on the basketball court. They're comfortable on the volleyball court because they've been doing it since they were little bitty, but they've only been in a weight room. And so they don't quite have that confidence in their skill set. So our warm-up tends to be the same across the board. So they can walk from the volleyball weight room into the basketball weight room next week and at least have like, okay, I know what I'm doing here. Like, I don't feel like coaches having to come over and explain every little thing because I've got that one thing. And, you know, as Rachel said, terminology is going to be the same. We may have a few different lifts, a few different bits and pieces there, but they at least kind of have the comfort of me being able to walk over and being like, okay, hey, like I know we didn't trap bar deadlift in volleyball, but we did do an RDL and here's how those movements are similar. Um, so I think just kind of having some alignment, even though, yes, we're going to train different sports differently, um, for me, more based on training age and coach buy-in. Um, however, there are going to be some differences, but being able to show the commonalities and having some alignment within your program so it's not just a completely different atmosphere when they walk in. Um, and to kind of your point about giving them a little bit of a respite from their primary um, sport some weight rooms are more serious than others. Um, I don't have the same, you know, when I was working with football, like that's a very like business mindset weight room. If I take that same, you know, if I take my same level of me and the same business mindset to a group of seven ninth grade girls basketball players, that's not going to go over well with them. They're not going to have fun. They're not going to like it. They're not going to buy in. And so just you know, letting them see that their sport culture, you know, may is reflected in the weight room culture. I think that's an important piece of it. I think those are, those are great points in, in terms of the, the way that the weight room is perceived based on your age. You know, I, I know you talked about training age. Uh, and for those that are listening, that are kind of they may understand what you're asking or not what asking, but what you're saying. And when we say training age, we mean the number of years they've truly been in a structured strength and conditioning program, not the number of years you've been lifting with your parents in the backyard or at your uncle's. No, a structured, well thought out, researched strength conditioning program. That's what we mean from your training age. So 
you know, that mindset for sure is very different. Um, you know, and you talk about the culture. That's an interesting topic because you guys deal with so many different sports and every sport is different in terms of year to year. Like you said, Rachel, where, or some years you can do certain things with certain groups because they buy into it or they, they pick it up faster or, you know, Missy, you're talking about the business mindset of football in the weight room to, you know, seven, seven, ninth grade girls who the last thing on their mind is probably lifting weights. The first thing is um, potentially diet or boys or homework. Like, you know, there's just such a multitude of things that process through these kids' brains, um, you know, because some are on a business trip, regardless of sport, because they want to go play at the next level. Uh, others are strictly on this trip because they're forced to. Uh, and that's the reality is, you know, they're, they're, they're lived through vicariously through um, by a family member or, or such. Um, and so they're kind of forced to, to do that. So how do you adapt yourself? And I know you just kind of talked about it, Missy, but I'll let you go first on this, but how do you adapt yourself while still holding the same standards for everybody as you have different sports come through your weight room? So I'm actually going to turn this into a public service announcement um, so that sport coaches can have a little bit of strength and conditioning coach awareness. Um, when I left TCU, one of the comments that was made to me by one of the coaches that I worked with is, you know, Missy, I went around and I talked to the three sport coaches that you worked with, and I finally realized the amount of stress that you were under and the fact that you had to be a chameleon within your own job because everyone's program culture is so different. Everyone's expectations are so different. She's like, and to be honest, I just don't know how you do it. Um, and so, yes, like as a strength coach, it is absolutely um, necessary to be a chameleon. And I know that we were at one of those round tables a couple of weeks ago at Dustin Rotan's place. And he echoed the same sentiment of, you know, if we go into a soccer program, uh, a soccer workout and the soccer program has a ton of structure and discipline in it. And you try to run this like willy nilly feel good weight room environment because you're not going to respond to it. The flip side of that is if the soccer program has no structure and discipline and you try to go in and drop the ax on kids, then they're not going to respond to that either. Um, so kind of how I address that is I'm having a conversation with the head coach of, you know, what do we want this to look like? here are my standards, here are my expectations. Like we're gonna come in and we're gonna be dressed correctly. We're gonna stay on task. You know, we're gonna get X, Y, and Z accomplished, but how can we make this fit your program um, culture within the context of what I wanna get done in the weight room? And I think that when you approach that from the start and you kind of know the direction that it's headed, I think it's a lot easier to work in those settings. Um, then it comes down to building relationships with kids because sometimes there is going to have to be a give and take of, I want things done this way and kids act a certain way. And so it's like, there's some things where it's like, nope, I'm not going to put up with that. That's a hard line in the sand for me. But there's some things where it's like, well, maybe I need to give a little bit on this one because maybe it's not that important that things are executed in exactly this time frame or whatever. Um, that being said, like we are going to have a culture of, 
We're going to have a little bit of a sense of urgency. We're going to do things right. We're going to pay attention to detail and we're going to take pride in how we execute things. Um, beyond that, if we want to listen to a certain type of music or if they, you know, if a side conversation happens occasionally, like it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Rachel, how do you uh, chameleon yourself uh, throughout the different programs that you work with? Uh, it's hard to follow Missy's. Um, I think this is one of the reasons that like strength conditioning or strength coaches, like this is one of the reasons that this job is um, not all, you know, wearing Lulu and writing workouts and all these things that, you know, maybe outsiders think it is. Um, it's you, we have to be very adaptable on so many levels with different people, different kids, different cultures. Like, you know, you have, you know, I have seven or eight teams. Missy has more than that. So there's like seven or eight different coaching variations of yourself. Um, and, but like she said, there are hard line things that in the weight room, you have your, your, your own weight room culture as well. You have um, your expectations and your, your standards that you aren't going to deviate from. Um, and, you know, it can be challenging when you have coaching staffs that are a little more lax where you're having to be, you know, the, the bad parent or whatever, you're having to be the bad guy all the time um, with, with, with your standards. So, um, yeah, she really hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, attention to detail and discipline are two things that I refuse to, to let go of. Um, and you hope that, you know, over time, your, your coaches that maybe aren't on board, they hear the same verbiage, they hear the same words, they see their kids having to come in and out of the weight room multiple times before the lift even starts, because we didn't come in the right way. Um, and so, um, from a strength coaching perspective, you know, I can stand there and, you know, I hear a sport coach, you know, and I'm going to go off on a tangent. I can hear sport coaches, you know, well, we just aren't disciplined or we just aren't this, we just aren't that. Well, I can walk in your practice and tell you why you're not disciplined and why you're having these issues because I walk in there and you're standing there with your arms crossed or you're on the phone or whatever the case may be. I don't have an issue with these things because they know what the expectation is. So a strength coach can give you all kinds of feedback if you'll just ask um, because, you know, we see and we observe, um, and I, you know, I'll get off my soapbox, but, um, it's, it's really just, you know, it's consistency in so many things. It's consistency in training. Gotta have that consistency and setting the expectation and the standard and adhering to those things day in and day out every single day. Um, that's what it comes down to. So don't get off your soapbox just yet. Cause you touched on something that I actually was messaging Missy about this morning. <laughs> She already knows what I'm about to address and you already touched on it. And because of the nature of the podcast is we just have a conversation. We let things flow. And yeah, I sent you pre-questions and this wasn't on it, but it's an important topic to address specifically with you guys and the way in which you're having to chameleon yourself with the programs. We've talked a lot about how you address the kids but let's flip it to the other side and these, these, this, this question and last question, and then we'll get out of here. But first this question. So Rachel, I'll let you go first. How do you address and how do you work with the sport coaches to get them to give you tangible work in the weight room? Because a lot of times it's like the elementary scene where they're taking the kids to specials and they're dropping them off and then they get to go run away and do something else. Oh, I, I got to make copies or I got to get them. No, you need to be in there working with your kids the way I am to help me out. So 
how do you get that buy-in and how do you work with those sport coaches to get at least some kind of quality work? Um, there's a few ways, um, you know, first and foremost, um, you know, um, being on your cell phone or not being in the weight room comes down to a a safety and a liability thing. So that's my first, you know, plan of attack and whether, you know, if someone wants to call that fear-based, whatever, go ahead and call it that. But, you know, when we have 30 kids in the weight room and, you know, me, the only one paying attention, like there's, there's absolutely no way that I can, you know, know everything that's going on. Um, especially if we've got, you know, freshmen or novice kids in their low training age, never been to weight room. Um, it becomes, it definitely becomes, um, a dangerous situation. So we have the conversation about, Hey, like, you know, you need to be walking around making sure that, um, you know, we're staying on task. Um, we're not, you know, you know, letting a med ball get out of hand or whatever the case may be. We're keeping an eye on what's going on. Um, second, the second thing is, um, you know, it, it comes, it really does come down to that program specific culture and what the head coach wants to get out of their season, what they want to get out of their team. Um, and it starts in the weight room. So the kids see you, um, engaged, you're coaching, you're paying attention. If you're echoing the words that I'm using, um, then they take it seriously. They put in more work. Oh, you know, coach is paying attention, coach is here. Um, and so just going at it from, from those two standpoints, typically, um, you know, and, and also, you know, thankfully athletics at Geyer have, have been successful. We have coaches that want to be successful. They buy into the weight room, but again, you still have those, those people that are just like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go check my email or I'm going to go sit in the office. No, that that's not going to cut it. Um, these are your kids. This is your program. This is not um, a separate, this is not a separate situation. Like the weight room is integrated into your, into your program. If this is how you want it to be, you want it to be a part of that fabric. Um, then you need to be a part of it yourself. Homie, the the floor is yours. I um, don't even know where to start unpacking this one without getting myself into a massive like. You're we really need the video on for this because you're like rolling off your chair laughing because you know how I feel about this. Um, ultimately, and this is going to make me sound probably like a terrible person, but ultimately where I have come to this and Rachel kind of alluded to it at the end, which alluded to is the phrase of the day. If in this podcast, I think somebody should go through and count. I think we've said it 25 times, um, kind of alluded to it there at the end. Um, it's your program, your problem. And so that may make me sound like hands off or like, I'm not trying to manage things, but at the end of the day, I've got 12 programs that I work with. And I have varying levels of compliance with coaches. And I will tell you that the level of compliance that I have with coaching with coaches is 100% in correlation and causation of the level of compliance I have with their athletes. Um, And so that's where if you want to show up three minutes late and you have a coffee cup in your hand because it is clear that you prioritize going to the store to get coffee versus showing up to your team's program on time, your kids see that. And so when you don't have buy-in from them on the floor or you don't have buy-in from them in the weight room, that's a problem that you've created. And that unfortunately I can do my piece. I can have my weight room culture. I can hold them to a standard when they're with me. But the thing is, is that there's usually another day a week that the kids aren't with me because we have two weight rooms. We have one coach Macbeth. And so I'm split between two facilities, unfortunately. And so I know what's happening in that weight room when I'm not in there. And it's not what needs to be happening. 
Um, things that I've done to address that, uh, I make a preemptive strike, and this is not something, this is something that I was very fortunate um, to have a friend slash coworker do for me. Um, and I was a, I have a coach's weight room expectation sheet. And I give this out to all of our coaches at the beginning of the year and say, head coaches, these are expectations for you and your assistants. And the reason it was great that she did that is we, uh, for some reason, value indirect communication in our workplace. Um, direct communication can often be seen as attacking. So I was able to indirectly say, hey, um, this is something another coach put together for her program. I thought it was amazing. And so I think this is something that with a few tweaks we could use for everybody. And so then when someone is wearing flip-flops in the weight room, I can say, hey, coaches' expectation sheets, we need to be dressed out. When someone's not coaching, coaches' expectation sheet. Um, does that mean that people are always compliant? No, but I will tell you that I had a number of coaches come back after they saw that sheet. Usually the ones that already do a great job and say, oh my gosh, we can be so much better in this area. Um, and so that's something I would encourage just if for nothing else to know, like, I think, you know, what Rachel was talking about earlier, well, if you have expectations for your athletes, they're going to meet them. What does it look like? Because a lot of these coaches, they don't know what it looks like to be in the weight room. They've ne they don't have any experience. They don't know where they can help. They don't want to step on toes on, on toes. So showing them kind of what their role looks like. Um, and I've had pretty good success with that. The other piece, the most obvious piece is having a relationship with that coach. Um, the coaches that I get a great amount out of are coaches like uh, Carlos that you've had on this podcast before. He's our wrestling coach. Um, I get so much out of him as a coach. And number one, it's just because Carlos wants what's best for kids. That's what it comes down to at the end of the day. You may not like the weight room, but do you want what's best for kids? And he 100% wants what's best for his kids. He buys in, but also he and I have a solid relationship where I can count on him to do the things that he needs to do in the weight room. Same thing with our, uh, our girls track coach this past year. It's like I walk out on the field uh, when we're in COVID times and everybody's outside and I don't just see him doing the workout correctly. I see the workout being done in the same words that I used on the instructional videos that I sent him. Um, and he and I, again, have a really good relationship. Um, so I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, just the relationship and buy-in piece. But as I said at the beginning, ultimately, like if I have one program that doesn't want to buy in or one set of coaches that don't want to buy in, I'm going to work my, I'm going to work my ass off for those kids in that session but at the same time, like I got to let some of that go because I've got 11 other programs that need me to be full steam. All right. So last question to get you guys out of here. Uh, I'm a glass half full kind of person. Um, so when I phrase this question, I want zero pessimism and negativity. You must answer this question in a positive manner. The final four, the women's final four debacle with the weight room. Okay, so that's where I'm going with this deal. The let's air quote weight room that the women received from the beginning. What we saw from the SNC community, and I think really just coaches in general, was phenomenal in terms of support and the desire to make it better immediately. And it got, thankfully, it got done. So, what do you think? that did for the psyche specifically for girls um in terms of 
they saw that on Twitter. They saw the interactions of coaches across the country and the globe in response to what the NCAA did initially and then after, after the backlash. What do you think that did for the psyche of those girls uh, going forward? Because um, we haven't touched on the, the, the issues in terms of women in the weight room and, and the lack of, um, whether it's the coaching side or the kid participation. But surely something had to be done. Something had to resonate from a positive standpoint regarding that whole issue. So I'll let, I'll let Missy go first on this one. And this has to be 100% positive. Not 100%, but I would like a little bit more positivity, please. Okay, so um, <laughs> yeah, I can, I can do positive. I think that I was overwhelmed looking at the social media outcry um, with how much support there was um, with female coaches, with male coaches, um, and then the equipment companies. Like the equipment companies were... Every single one of them, obviously, like my weight room's power lift, but I mean, you saw Dynamic and Hammer and everybody coming in and being like, listen, we will have equipment to you tomorrow. We will move heaven and earth to get it there to make the situation right. And so I think that there was a huge push to get the situation rectified. Um, the negative thing is that never should have happened. That sent the message, that one photo sent the message to every little girl that at your highest moment in your career, that you're still going to play second fiddle to a man is ultimately like with it, whether that was the intent of the NCAA or not, that's the message that was sent. And for people to like, yes, the situation was rectified with a weight room being built, but turn around and you know, you've been fairly vocal about what you saw at the Women's College World Series with softball the lack of equitable treatment there. There's no bathrooms in the dugout. There is on the men's side. I don't necessarily have a problem with the size of the stadium because I think let's be realistic about viewership and attendance. I think that the size of the stadium, if, if it were a sellout and we had people waiting in the parking lot, that's one thing. Um, but I do have an issue with the, the equity or whatever the correct word is. Somebody blew me up on Twitter because I used uh, equity versus equality. And I, I, to be honest, I don't know which is which, but uh, with the equity of the situation. I mean, that's an issue. And then like women's beach volleyball finals, they said no outside fans because of COVID. And it's like, well, it's an outdoor sport and you allowed fans and eight bazillion people in football. So why all of a sudden can we not have fans because of COVID? Um, so I think the good news is, is that we're able to highlight these issues. The bad news is that we continue to have issues to highlight. Agree with you 100%. And, that, and that's, that's the whole deal, um, is that there continues to be issues. Uh, you should have had the issue, and, and Rachel, I'm going to let you hear uh, answer in just a second, but you had the issue with the NCAA tournament, and you saw the backlash. And instead of proactively, which I believe is the biggest issue in education in general, is everything is always reactionary and it's not pro-action because you ask the wrong people. You, you ask other people that have a, a financially vested interest and not a physically and emotionally vested interest in the well-being of, of kids at any age. Um, instead, of re, instead of proactively addressing 
college softball and beach volleyball, you let it happen. And then you had to go back and fix it when you had the answer right there in front of your face. So, but that's a topic for another time. So Rachel, I'll let you uh, comment on, on, on all that. Um, and then we'll close out. Um, yeah, I, I, I do have a couple of positives for me, which is shocking, but, um, because I can be very realistic or optimistic, but, um, there were some positives, I think to Missy's point, like, unfortunately that issue, while there were positives that came out of it, it became a very large issue and it happened and there was a lot of attention on it. So in every little girl's mind, that's what, that's what the standard was for them. Well, you don't need this, the boy, you know, this is what the boys got. Um, and this is, so I think, unfortunately that could be a, an imprint in a lot of little girls' minds. Um, however, um, I think two things like Missy alluded to alluded again, um, the community, the strength and conditioning community came together, uh, equipment companies came together. Um, there were sports analysts, there were coaches, there were past athletes, there were, pro, there were, there was such a fight and a push to, to make that situation right for those women. Um, and I think seeing, I think, I think little girls everywhere, high school, whatever age they are seeing that push and that fight by so many voices and so many people, um, especially when, you know, things can get really divisive on social media and in, in the society in general, I think seeing voices from every, from every, you know, aspect of society, um, pushing for, for them, for equality for them was huge. Um, I also think in the back of my mind, I'm like, I hope a lot of my athletes see that, like, you've got the top teams in the country. They're freaking lifting. They are lifting during this tournament. Like their strength coaches are there. They're pissed that they don't have equipment because damn right. They're lifting. So like, you know, we can, me and Missy can tell them all day. What do you think you're going to do at the next level? Like if you want to play in college, like you're going to be lifting, like this is going to be part of your, we can tell them all day, but that was a true reality. Like this is, this is, you are going to lift. This is going to be a, a part of your program, a part of your sport. Um, and so I think those two are positives that came out of it. Um, again, we could take that topic and, and chop it up all day and look at all kinds of different things. Um, but yeah, those are my positives. I love it. Thank you guys. It's been an awesome, awesome stuff. I, I know we need to do this again because there's so many things that we left on the table and alluded to for like the 37th time that we got to go back and talk about more in depth, but uh, we'll close out here. Uh, we'll start with you, Rachel. You know, if, if people want to reach out to you, want to talk more about basketball or just in general programming and, and such strength conditioning and weight room, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, you can shoot me a DM on Twitter. Um, I have, I forget my handle half the time. I think it's like R Hayes two or something like that. Um, go to Peter's. He can, you know, maybe he can help you out. Um, Oh, or you can send me an email. Uh, it's rhays2 at dentonisd.org. Um, but yeah, reach out anytime. Um, summertime, I'm a little, a little hit and miss, as I, as you guys know. Um, but uh, yeah. No, uh, it'll be the good news is I'll put it in the show notes, and and when I'll put 
put it on mine and uh, podcast Twitter. Homie, how do they get a hold of you if they haven't already found you? Because you're everywhere. Well, um, I am just thrilled to hear that someone else doesn't know their Twitter handle. I like either have to have it written down and then I was like, oh no, I forgot it today. Um, but here it is. Um, Peter will have it in the show notes because it is not a smart Twitter handle. It is at Miss E with an E instead of the Y because I thought that was cute and it's not. And then Mitchell with ones instead of L's also thought that was cute and it just makes my life really confusing. So M-I-S-S-E-M-I-T-C-H-E-1-1 or you can just look, just look up Missy Mitchell Macbeth. I don't think there's a lot of us out there. Um, so yes, that is where you can find me and you can hit me up in the DMs. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for taking the time and talking with us. I uh, hope everybody can get some really great stuff out of this. Look forward to having y'all back on and uh, talking more on all the things we alluded to. Appreciate it, Peter. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Thanks for checking out the podcast today. Really hope you enjoyed today's guest. Don't forget to leave a like and a review. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Google Play Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast fix from. Ratings and reviews really help us reach more viewers. Peace out. Have a nice day. Be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah.